0: Welcome to Headline to Table, the show where host Christopher gives Dungeon Master West a current or historical event to adapt into a one-off D&D campaign for an unsuspecting player. Will our pawns vanquish epic quests pulled from the news or history books? It's Headline to Table! Headline to Table! Headline
1: to Table!
2: Welcome to Headline to Table. This is a D&D podcast. This is our first episode. I'm your host, Christopher. Uh, I pick a news headline or a current event or historical event. Give it to our Dungeon Master West. Say hi, West. Hi, West. Good. Uh, and then he will adapt the story into a, a campaign that could be completed by our pawn, is what we'll call the person who's going to play the campaign. So, do you want to run through some of your D and D credentials here?
3: So, I started playing D and D Second Edition when I was about seven, eight years old. I've been playing for about twenty-two years. I'd say combined, I've DM'd for about five, five years. Okay, so you are the
2: expert, resident expert. I know almost nothing. We're going to round down to nothing. Yeah, round So down. my job here is to bring the story to the table to you. And as of the moment we're recording, he does not know what I'm going to suggest to
3: him. Absolutely no fucking idea. He's got idea. no
2: idea. In fact, I've specifically told him not to ask me, not to suggest things to me. Then he will go off, create the campaign. We'll meet back later, uh, discuss it, and then subject our pawn to said campaign. We'll record that as well and hear some highlights. God, I'm nervous. I'm, West has been waiting to hear this, and I've tried not to tip my hand at all. For weeks. This guy's weeks. fucking family gets in the way. <laughs> well, uh, the new story that you will be adapting into a campaign for our first episode is the Thai soccer team trapped in the cave. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm relatively certain that everyone in the world has heard at least a little bit about this story. Uh, 12... Kids in Thailand, uh, soccer team after practice went into a cave. Uh, Water levels rose and they became trapped in there. No one saw them for over a week until they were finally discovered, stranded in the dark.
3: Does anyone know why they went in the cave? Uh, Apparently it was a
2: a um, post-practice activity. It was just a recreational thing for fun.
3: Like it's been fun running around in this field? Like they found, yeah, like
2: they rode their bikes to the cave. They found their bikes all outside the cave, and they went in. So we've got 12 kids and one coach are in the cave. They've been stranded in there for a while, uh, for over a week before they're found. And then, of course, the media frenzy hits. The rescue process included over 10,000 people. For various thing, that's the number that's been reported at various stages, but our pawn will be just one person trying to rescue, whatever.
3: Oh, so maybe not even affiliated with any of the others. He's just like a rogue guy.
0: That well, we're
2: gonna. Well, well, that this will be. Well, first I'll get the whole, the whole, the whole circumstance out here. After discovering the children, they were brought uh, air and food supplies. They brought a doctor in to check them out to try to make sure they were going to be okay. And then when new rains and rising water levels threatened, they attempted a rescue and eventually saved all the kids. Some other things of note that I think are interesting. Their coach was a former monk, a former Buddhist monk. That plays, uh, that plays a, nicely, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a nice... Little uh, side fact. Wait, the coach is
3: 25. He's already, had a a bit a previous, <laughs> he's already had a previous occupation as a Buddhist monk. Yeah, typical and millennials, strong career hopping. Feels like he hit the fucking precipice of being a Buddhist, Buddhist monk and then figured giving soccer coach a try. I think
2: I'll give it a try, yeah. Apparently he, like, tried to lead meditation and relaxation things in the cave while they were all in there.
3: To be honest, I've never read any of the articles written about this I've <laughs> okay. probably read about three of the headlines and like the descriptor sentence okay. of each of these and I already knew like 60% of what you said <laughs> <laughs> great the one uh, diver did die during the oh,
2: about, diver died. Uh, that, and of course that's up to you whether or not you want to include it Throughout, I will admit that throughout the whole process, every day I was kept thinking, "You got to save those kids because I want to use that on this podcast." If, any, <laughs> if a single one of these kids dies, I cannot use it on the those podcast. Those selfish
3: assholes. <laughs> you I do,
2: know. Don't die. Like on if me. you don't, yeah. I I was uh, very pleased to see they all made it out, so that I
3: could use this here today. What? Well, so my first reactions. I don't know if I necessarily want to make it a cave, but it's a death by water scenario. And there's a group of vulnerable people who are trapped (laughs) here, whether it's, like, gnome children or halfling children. Or it'd be pretty good, typical D&D run to just have it be in a cave.
2: Especially because they don't know – they didn't know where they were, um – for a week they kind of had to search the caves for them. So mm-hmm. that's an element of the story too. I don't know if you want to make our person rifle around looking for them at all.
3: Yeah, it, it does it does open up the possibility is- of having a really big map with a bunch of random encounters that have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and you know, could be an aboleth hiding in the cave, waiting to kill somebody.
2: I'm kind of excited by the possibility that our pawn may not rescue. Mm-hmm. The we want them to do their best, but assuming the could. role,
3: assuming the role of the diver. <laughs> if you're doing it in a cave, it could easily be a gnome mining expedition. You know, they're out there trying to get the the ore and mine it away, and one one mithril-handed gnome. Uh, Digs a little too deep, caves in the cave above him, and then the waters start pouring in. That's uh, I like. I like that. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> Makes me think of the uh, for anybody else into D and D, the uh, Forgotten Realm uh, Dark Elf series with. Uh,
2: oh, of course. I know all about that. <laughs> of course, it's you the do. realm with the was, and almost it everyone was forgotten dark, about. It was dark. It.
3: <laughs> the whole idea of having it underground, kind of lends itself to the Underdark, where the Drow, the Dark Elf live, and they, they're basically Queen Bee down there, but they battled out with a lot of different races.
2: You know, I want to just throw this in there. The, when the first diver found the team, because it was pitch black, he couldn't see them, and they said that he could smell them before he saw them.
3: Well, I, I, assume, a, I assume a gnomish mining party would smell pretty bad to a Drow.
2: I'm going to put that on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to make one strong request Ugh. that you can reject, but I think this is would be a fun twist.
3: I'm going to preemptively reject it <laughs> Okay. with the caveat that I can later accept it without Okay, okay. so uh, with this
2: story, a, a kind of side uh, news story popped up of Elon Musk was – attempting to uh, build uh, some kind of small submarine that could navigate the caves. I remember seeing that and thinking, like, probably mostly just a PR move, but why not have everybody working on something or other? Mm -hmm. So he made this submarine, and he sent it over, and I think the divers were pretty much like, why don't you fuck off? Like, this is not practical. This is not helpful. Like, nice PR stunt. We'll see you later. And so after it was over, one of the divers, one of the British divers, called him out and like said it was the thing was a piece of shit or some variation of that. And then Musk went onto Twitter and called him a pedo. And are you serious? He, yes, he called the diver that he'd never met a pedo on Twitter, and it just turned into a dumb Twitter fight. So I would really love to see a Musk-like character. Uh, that's just a thought. So Even, it's just a troll. Antagonist. Some kind of asshole. Either way, the, the, our pawn should have a goal of saving the kids, whether they're like somebody who's related to them or just some asshole who's swooped in for personal gain. So you, are we committing to the safety. minors? Are we committing to the minors so. storyline? Okay. I think so. That's got,
3: making the most sense.
2: So dwarf minors?
3: I was thinking gnome. Gnome. Gnome minors. Gnome, gnome minors. minors. Because they're also minors. The young <laughs> children. Writers. That's perfect. Yeah. Same <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking um, one of the miners stuck down there is the son or family member of a gnome king in the Underdark, and even though they're, in, you know, they're in constant battle with the Drow and other races, that the the jewels he is offering for his son's safe return is too much for anyone to pass up. Okay. So that's what brings all the different groups together. Everybody's yeah. hoping to profit from the rescue. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because, you know, you'd think if they saved the sun, they'd save everybody, but maybe not necessarily. The only one he really cares about <laughs> is the sun. Okay. So, so there's some, maybe he's, some choice for Maybe he's person. left with a moral dilemma where – he's sitting at a crossroads where he's like i could save the boy very easily but it's very possible by doing that i doom the other 11 miners and monk coach
2: what could we incentivize it like maybe the the son of the wealthy gnome uh Encourages him to save everyone and says he'll be more handsomely rewarded if they all make so it so back. It might be something like some that. Some kind of choice. Or some yeah. just some
3: smoking hot gnomish <laughs> gnome woman says that her her son is there too, or maybe her brother is stuck in there. And if you. Added incentive. Yeah. Okay. If you save him, she <laughs> bangs a <the> bejesus <laughs> out of you. Nice. You'd be surprised how often people go for sex immediately in Dungeons and Dragons. Do they? Yeah. Is that I? I've oh, only happens, played once. And so there you was go no, to, you actually go, there was sex you go to involved. a bar. Yeah. Every time. Um, so you play with three people. Every other bar you go to, one of them's gonna try and have sex, which is you know like a charisma <laughs> roll. Which I actually started incorporating the quality of the sex they have. So one, they make a performance check to see how well they perform in the act but then okay. also a constitution check to see how long they perform for <laughs> recently i had a uh, bugbear barbarian having sex with a half orc and it was bad it was like a four performance Ooh. but like a 17 uh, length so they were in the alley just banging away forever poorly just like, oh horrible <laughs> Well, it's kind of how you'd expect a bugbear and a half-orc to try and bang each other. They're in an alley just slamming huge bodies against each other. There's another one for your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've definitely got some ideas. I completely hold the right to blow up everything we just talked about.
2: Right. Well, tell me, as a as a, someone who knows rounded down to nothing, what incentive will our pawn really have if
3: this is a one-off thing just
2: their commitment to the character and the situation
3: so any of the pawns i know that would play i think they they'd want to be committed but i think also one thing i might do is if they fail i won't let them keep the character sheet i rip it up into a bunch of pieces and they never see it again that's great but if they pass i'll Give it to him or keep it in my uh, stockade of character sheets. They could come
2: back in a future episode.
3: They could come back in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Maybe the diver's story isn't done.
2: I've covered all the parts of the story that I think are important to give you. And we've had we've generated some ideas. But from here on out, just as West is not allowed to pitch story ideas to me, it's now in his hands. Are you excited to take this and... Make it into something, yeah, man, I'm fucking stoked. It's cool. Right. well, I will uh we'll talk again sometime soon after you've had a chance to devise the campaign.
3: You're just gonna do a bread in your mouth the bread mouth take <laughs> <like a> <laughs> that could be an interesting take where we do the entire thing while just eating
2: as quickly eating, as we yeah. can okay some days have passed west has had a chance to make the campaign based on the thai soccer team so uh, i'm getting a preview now before a pawn enters the picture west tell me how you how you laid out the story
3: all right the story of the thai soccer team getting trapped in the cave Uh, How I converted it into Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. So it starts miles beneath the surface in the uh, Underdark. A gnomish mining expedition. um, It's been on a few days' march outside of their home city, drawing close to the drow uh, territory. In this expedition, they were led by... Uh, a certain monk hermit who wanders the underdark and can be hired as a guide. While mining near an underground stream, the cave collapses, um, and this mine is actually held on a is actually located on an old dwarven uh, stronghold. This particular dwarven stronghold been abandoned for centuries, but the inhabitants were so weary of magic and magic users that through generations of work, they were able to. Um, Rise totems that actually block out certain magical effects without Ooh. within their range within so their pawn, realm. Our pawn,
2: our pawn will be somewhat limited. Are they going to know this? I'm
3: not going to put a restriction on magic because there will be it'll be certain instances where their magic is halted in certain parts. Where it's will not.
2: he know that there's going to be restrictions in the? I won't. You won't tell him. That's I won't just tell something him. He'll no. Encounter. Yeah.
3: Okay. He may encounter it. He may not. Okay. And but this but this whole idea of magic being halted in some way has slowed down the excavation process to dig them out so they're doing it manually and a lot of the magical effects that gnomes have to mine quickly and effectively have been uh, slowed mm. down making them somewhat helpless yes well they're just you know they're mining yeah. at a just a you know just a normal pace you know they're really trying but um so they have uh, teams digging, um, trying to free them. And I, um depending on where we are in the story. I'm going to tell him he might have a time limit. So kind of the backstory on this is the old ancient gnomish king Zilbus. His son Jevin is among these young miners who are trapped. He is Jevin. Off- Jevin. But if it's a it's a gnome, you'd say it like Jevin. Jevin. <laughs> yeah, high pitch and quick. <laughs> He is offering his entire hoard of sapphires he's collected over his entire life. And this actual particular horde of sapphires is well believed to be one of the greatest treasures in all of the material mm. plane. So there is, quite a, there is quite a reward to bring his son back. Um, okay. What would you say the
2: level of difficulty, what, what are our odds for our pawn in terms of actually rescuing all the gnomes? Or even just the one gnome?
3: I think it's fair. You think it's fair? I think if he engages one-on-one with every encounter that comes up against him without any help, I don't see him living through it. <laughs> whether or not he uses other adventurers as a shield, whether he tries to sneak past, or he tries to find alternate ways into the cave, mm-hmm. which are available. Okay. I'm not going to tell him, but mm-hmm. depending on where he looks and perception checks that he rolls, there are alternate entryways that might speed up the process but bringing up their own difficulties as well as magical items and things like that to help them along the way there is a certain drow adversary that is very brash and very in his face his name is alanis musk
0: yes and yes! so he is
3: the drow second born son of the respectable house of uh, musk very smart um About a 4th, 5th level drow wizard. And he is trying to free them and very much, you know, I'm kind of having him as the the voice over his shoulder. The thing he is always looking out for and shows up at the worst possible moments. Perfect. So I'll tell him those bullet points. Mm -hmm. I'll give him a blank character sheet. You have half hour. He'll make it. He'll give us a rundown on his character. And then we'll jump into it. Perfect. Bada boom. Alright, let's uh let's bring the pawn in
2: We're back. We've got our pawn here with us. Pawn, identify yourself.
1: My name is Jordan Tuchik. What's your experience level here? Um I've been playing for roughly two years. But you're both, in hardcore, right? Both as a DM and as player. Mm. So I know the rules in the game pretty well, but... Right, the story that I
2: gave Wes to adapt into a campaign for you was the Thai soccer team stuck in the cave. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know it. I know it. It was all over the news. You you,
3: you have some knowledge of this story,
2: right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: I've created a campaign that uh, centers around a gnome mining expedition in the Underdark being um, escorted by a, a disgraced monk hermit to a new mining territory in this abandoned, long-abandoned dwarven stronghold. So while traveling there to mine this new vein of minerals, there was a rock slide and a cave-in, and they got trapped as well as cave-ins all around the area. So there are several other mining parties currently trying to dig out the, uh, the uh, gnome... The gnomes and the, and the monk that are trapped there. But there are other adventurers seeking to free them for other reasons that I will get into once we start playing. For you, Pawn, you are restricted to 4th level. You will be in the Underdark, so keep that in mind. And you cannot be a drow. Those are my only restrictions for you.
1: Pawn. I think I got enough to go on. Ready to make your character? Let's do it. Okay. Hoo-ah! So my character. My name is uh, Snugs Orvan. He's a mountain dwarf. He's got the dark vision. Which is going to be useful in Underdark, searching for stuff. Searching for these gnomes, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with the fighter class with the Eldritch Knight. Um, he's a very strengthy and constitution y character. Um, take some hits, dish some out. And then I chose the magic so that he can get some extra, like, or Eldritch Knight so she can get some extra, like, utility with some of his uh, magic that he has access to. Yeah.
3: Have you played the Eldritch Knight before? No. You don't have to read the stats, but what's high stats? What's low stats?
1: Uh, strength and constitution are definitely the highest, with strength being a uh, twenty. Um, nice. I witnessed the rolls, by the way. And the lowest is charisma with an eleven. Oh, uh, so what kind of uh, what
3: kind of background is your character?
1: So I'm saying that the background is uh, he was a stonemason for a long time. I just wrote that down. Later on, he found out he made more money actually hiring himself out in the underdark. So he's an outlander. Um, he was hired by um, some group of, or by a group of the uh, gnomes. Or excuse me, not the gnomes, but the from his dwarf camp that's not too far away, or Dwarf City, to uh, go after some mind flayers that fucked with some dwarves on a mining expedition a while ago. He's out hunting for them.
3: He sounds like he's the kind of guy when a mining expedition goes to shit, they send in uh, Snugs or Vane.
1: Well, he actually didn't. I have it like this, where he's actually out with looking for the mind flayers, but... This turns up that he thinks it's gonna be easier and might pay better. Because okay. there's so many more people looking for him and the dwarves are kinda of stingy when it okay. comes to gold.
3: Gnomes are not. I can tie that in pretty well to the to the maps I have and the the kinda of intro. So Are we ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Alright, pawn. If you can see yourself to the map, which we will make available to anybody who'd like to download it and reuse. Um, this taking place in the Underdark, surrounding the large underground uh, lake of the, called uh, Sapphire Lake. To the northeast, we have Saffir Mine, the Gnome City. To the northwest, we have Dorum, the Dwarven City, which you originate from. To the southwest you have an, um, the Abandoned Dwarven Stronghold of Gol buldir Bull- and to the far south it, a couple miles is where drow territory begins, and for most adventurers that's typically where you, where you stop. You arrive first at the First Fork Trading Outpost to the southwest, to the southwest of the Sapphire Lake. Whatever personal affairs or ambitions you had before have been muted by the loud rumble of chatter on every street corner, tavern table, and publicly posted a headline. Bang, bang, bang! An excited young man nails the latest up to date declaration from the Outpost Daily. The Gnome King Zilba, son Jevin, along with eleven Gnome miners, are still trapped in the mines of the ancient dwarf stronghold. Along with the hermit monk they he took as their guide. No cause has been disclosed concerning uh, how the cave happened, but one thing is clear. If the subterranean uh, river continues to rise as its pace in the, local, in the area they're at, it is feared that they'll be drowned in a matter of days, if not less. They'll be drowned and buried forever in their stone coffin. Brave adventurers have sought out to find a way into the cave, while other gnome miners continue to pick away at the massive boulders blocking their path. The normal magical tools that lend to gnome's mining abilities have been stunted by the ancient dwarven relics that curse the long abandoned stronghold. Though they've been dead for centuries, the ancient wards they left to dispel magic on the in that general area remain today. Today there's one confirmed dead in an attempt to swim against stream into the caves tunnels leading out bringing the total to thirty-six believed dead as far as rescuers why put yourself in harm's way you ask king Zilbis has decreed that whoever returns his eldest son to him shall take ownership of his ancient sapphire hoard, often believed to be one of the finest treasure hoards of all the all the material plane time is waiting same time tomorrow will hand the scribe. So, Snugs, you find yourself looking up at this newly written decree, stuck in with a knife to the bar. A large half-orc barbarian named Galar comes up to you and asks if he could read the paper. He wants to know what updates there are today, because he's been freed from the drow, his drow captives for over a year now, and it's time he got his fortune. And at the same moment, a drow appears on the other side of you, almost out of nowhere. And he says, you are better suited wearing chains. The orc swings at him, but he disappears and reappears sitting on top of a few crates about 10 feet away. Oh, fuck your mother, Alanis. Alanis, she has more suitable males for that beast. At that moment, the drow turns to you. Hello, my name is Alanis of the House Musk, the eldest son of a respected house. It's fortunate I arrived for my travels when I did. I've always wondered what old King Zilbus's sapphire horde looks like in person. The orc has past reason, so I'll tell you. Stay out of my way. With that, he vanishes. And the orc, sitting there, filled with rage, you can see him shaking, looks over to you and motions towards the, the decree stuck to the wall. Do you read it out for him?
1: Well, first I say, dude, that draws a dick. Like, for real, though. But, yes, I do read it to him.
3: And as soon as you're done, he goes, He's like, well, thank you for that. I hope you make it out of there alive if you end up uh, going searching for the treasure. But if you do die, I can tell you it won't be by my axe. And who knows, maybe when I become the richest half-orc the world has ever seen, I'll give you a job. Take care. I give him a high five. Roll a charisma check. Just a base charisma check. Twelve. He accepts it. He hits you with a high five, and if you weren't so strong, your his orc uh, high five probably would have sent you to a knee. <laughs> so as this is happening, you had uh, just uh, read this, stuck out there, um, stuck up on the board. You have been traveling down from your hometown of the Belderum, which is the uh, mountain dwarf city, and you're actually quite familiar with the Gol Bull Deer, the uh, abandoned dwarven stronghold. No one really knows why it was abandoned or the people who were there were killed. But many of the dwarves believe that it's from the the Dwergar, The uh the dark the dark uh dwarfs. Um you can think of the Dwergar as to dwarfs as Drow are to elves, very much suited for the Underdark. And you have come to the uh to the Forks outpost to uh, restock and your previous adventure you were thinking about might take a back seat to what you're hearing now based on the reward. Is there anything you'd like to do in the outpost?
1: Yeah, so, I, so what does the outpost like look like? like describe it to me. Because I, I, like, basically all you've told me is there's a fork in the road and there's a message board that got a new decree posted. And then I talked to the two dudes. Yeah, so
3: that's basically it. And
1: the outpost is
3: very basic.
0: Our hero, Snugs Orvain, spent a lot of time exploring every nook of the outpost, nickel and diming various merchants in the process. He purchased two javelins, a stonemason's kit, 50 feet of rope, and two healing potions. While walking down the street, he encountered a mentally ill dwarf being harassed by a group of locals.
1: I, like, go up to, like, somebody who's kind of standing outside of the circle and be like, well, what's going on with the dwarf?
3: Going on with the dwarfs only says the same sentence over and over again. And sometimes he leaves for days on end. Sometimes he comes back. What What is this sentence that he says? From the basement to the ceiling. <sighs> He's been coming around for about, about a week now.
1: Sounds like a surface lyrics I heard from, uh... Little John and the East Side Boys, with something the called Windows to the Seal. Okay, um, see, so he just comes in town and just says this, and just runs off. Why are you guys kicking him in the ribs though? Just let him be, do his nonsense.
3: You know, kind of, kind of around the same time that mining party, uh, first
1: got lost, they, uh, he first started showing up. I pick up the dusty old dwarf and like bring him to the side, and I'm like, repeat what you've been saying to me once again
3: kind of looks at you. He's like, from the, from the, from the basement to the ceiling. From the basement to the ceiling. From the basement to the ceiling! And he starts yelling it in your face. And you can tell something's not quite right in his eyes. And he seems to be shaking and convulsing. And he looks very scared.
1: Okay. All right, so... I just, like, grab his hand and I, like, walk around, like, someplace where there's, like, nobody else. I just want to, like...
3: What are you going to do to this guy? (laughs) I just want to get
1: him out of the thing.
3: I just want to get up in that.
1: (laughs) Like, turn it... Alright, I just want to get him around the corner or something, so... And then, uh, I just want to, I want to, like, check... I created this
3: campaign not for your sexual (laughs) lusts, pawn.
0: Snugs then descended into the ancient dwarven stronghold of Gol Boldir.
3: You've never been there yourself and in fact it's kind of a taboo subject for any dwarf to go back there because they believe it's cursed. The four totems on each corner of the used to be proud walls surrounding it are still still look pristine though. The walls have caved down showing huge holes and that you can just walk right through but the four magical totems on each corner are still the same obsidian black glossiness that they always were. As you near the old stronghold, you can hear the banging of, of picks to stone and the grumbles of the men behind them. As you walk in, you you see a very impressive uh, castle, like a dwarven-made castle, not insanely thr- uh, frilly, but, you know, you know, broad at its base and gets skinnier at the top. And uh, looks like there are some living corners on the other side that have been kind of, uh, kind of torn down and rotted away with time. An old, burnt-out forge in the uh, southeast corner. And then the southwest corner, oh, um, you can see the miners hard at work. With uh, you know maybe six or seven other unfamiliar faces, um, just kind of wand- wandering around that area. Some of them are sitting down. They seem to be the other adventurers that were just waiting for it to open. And make a perception check. Actually, that's a six. That's and there does seem to be a stone bridge that goes in, in this little gap behind the broken down walls and pushed against the river is where the miners are digging.
1: I get closer, cross a little stone bridge to see what's going on with the, the mining operation, trying to get them out the most direct way.
3: Okay. So they look like they're, they're doing work. They're pulling away pieces of rock, but it seems like it's... It seems like there's quite a bit longer to go. Um, you see, you hear some very impatient uh, dwarfs and... Um, And uh, gnomes that are just kind of sitting off to the side. Um,
1: Um, Is there anybody that seems like a supervisor in the area? Some sort of uh, mining leader?
3: um, He's kind of directing traffic.
1: No, not really. One of the miners is calling out a cadence. All right. I roll up to that dude and I ask him, uh, uh, how much work do you you guys done recently?
3: He looks up at you. He's like, get your ass out of here. Don't you see I'm busy? We're not just we're not just mining for ore here. We gotta we gotta get these guys out now. Hey, I don't have time to talk to you. it will be open when it's open. Then you can go search for your for your uh,
1: bounty of a lifetime. I'm just trying to save this kid. All right, it looks like Homeboy doesn't really want to talk. So, um. So I got just sort of like, I walk out, and I just want to go kind of search. I want to go to this forge, this MP1, see what's going on down there. The
3: burnt-out forge?
1: Yeah. You go into the forge, and uh, it's exactly as advertised. It
3: is
0: burnt-out.
3: It is barren.
0: Snugs investigated the burned-out forge, looking for old tools.
1: Is there any like leftover tools around, like a hammer or like any anything? Um, make a investigation check.
3: No. In fact, I rolled a one. Uh, you lose five gold pieces. What? It falls out of your pocket while you're looking around, and you don't even notice the the cling of it hitting the floor. You accidentally kick it under some some old rusty pile scrap
1: metal. All right, um. So I leave the forge.
0: Snugs moved on to the abandoned castle in the middle of the stronghold, eventually finding himself in the basement of the castle.
3: So you walk in. This bottom left corner is the stairs coming down, and you come in, and it's just like a dusty old open room. There seems to be a table here. Um, the table's made of stone, as most dwarven things, but it's falling apart. Seems to be like a pile of hay and kind of debris over here, kind of stacked up, maybe about mm-hmm. eight eight feet high, maybe about 15 feet long, 10 feet uh, width. And there's uh, four barrels stacked up in the corner. Um, you don't even know if they hold anything anymore. One of them's like half busted out. Do you want to check out anything specifically? Take off? What would you like
1: to do? Um, so I just wanted to like take around, and see if there's any. Uh Like anything of any value down here. Where do you want to search? Um, First off, the closest thing to me is the uh, the table with the chairs. Mm -hmm. So I rolled a 21. So
3: 19 plus 2 being 21. Uh, You find nothing of value over on the the tables and chairs. Seems like you wasted your only good roll. Probably did.
1: (laughs) Alright, well, I'm going to do the same thing to the barrels and I'm going to do the same thing to the hay. So I'll roll 2 in succession. So, I rolled a nine overall for the barrels. They're
3: just barrels they' they seem empty. um Do you like open them or what are you yeah doing?
1: of course I mean, what them I just gonna Ugh. I just
3: figured like maybe you're just checking them out looking at the outside, rubbing up against them whatever you'd like to do so you don't notice you don't you don't uh notice anything inside of them they're dusty, some of them are full of spiders.
1: Oh, God. No! No!
3: Roll for initiative. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just
1: kidding. All right, so now I'm going to go to the hay patch and go do the same thing. I'm going to dig around it. All right, yeah, that's a three plus two. That's a five. Are so you just
3: looking, or are you, like, jumping in? What are you doing?
1: Nah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to cast my mage hand to go in there. Mm, search there around.
3: You. Is that a cantrip? Yep. Okay. So, with the totems, magic is disabled on that top on that surface area. Mm -hmm. It's in the underdark, so not surface. But on that, where everything is going on. But down here, the effects aren't as powerful. Mm -hmm. You still seem to feel some sort of magical energy. So I'm going to have you just roll a base. If it's higher than 10, the spell happens. If it's lower than 10, it does not. Mage Hand doesn't work.
1: Yep. That's a 1. Mage Mm -hmm. Hand is... Yeah, Mage Hand
3: comes out, gives you the finger, and immediately disintegrates.
1: All right, so I grab one of my javelins, and I start poking in it. Okay. You hear a ding, ding,
3: ding. It seems like you hit something metal or hard or something like
1: that. Okay, so I put my javelin back off, and then I start, like, tossing some of the hay. So, as, all right, so make a perception check. All right, that is, that's pretty good. That's a 17 plus 3. Okay. Actually, no, that's a 17 plus 4. Nice. It's a 21. So
3: you start ripping off the hay. You get a couple. You get a couple um, handfuls in. Then all of a sudden, you see through the hay two enormous eyes open. Each of these eyes is probably about the size of a football. And roll initiative.
1: cool oh. That's a twelve plus one. That's a thirteen. Jordan
3: initiative. Okay So As you're doing this You hear hear a growl As a large um, As a large lanky troll Starts standing up And is coming right at you Your turn first though Okay Um. And since you had the high perception You notice that so this troll seems to be unaware of this pick. You notice it as a war pick kind of like stuck to its back and it seems to be stuck there with some slimy troll shit or goop maybe mixed with like sap but it's like stuck right in the middle of his back and it looks to be shine and the the ends on it are shining or um, have like a red tint that are kind of glowing
1: okay uh, so I noticed that and uh, could I real quick roll like a history check because I have knowledge of like stonework and things like that It's like a dwarven thing do you think I could recognize this pick or like any magic to do with it? That's kind
3: of an obscure thing for like one specific but I'll'll I'll allow it I'll say above. With your modifications, anything above a 17 will give you some sort of insight to it.
1: Because I have um, proficiency... I have double my proficiency with stone check things as a dwarf. Okay. Alright, so plus four, whatever this is. So I got a 15 overall. No. It, it, It seems magical. Okay. It seems
3: magical. You don't know what. You don't know where it came from.
1: Alright, so I, what I do is I immediately grab my shield out and I go in for a single Warhammer hit. I want to hit the troll. Go for it. Alright, so let me roll. So that's a 10 plus 7, 17. You hit. Alright, and that's going to be a 1d8. And I want a plus 7 to that. So 5 plus 7, I get a 12.
3: 12 damage. Yes. So you hit him, slashing him across his uh, collarbone, or you use a warhammer? Yeah. So smashing him right into the collarbone, he kind of pulls backwards, and it's weird though. As soon as you hit him, you can see his flesh kind of like push open, and then it starts to immediately close again. The troll has effectively healed for 10 damage. Oh great. Troll turn. First attack, he comes at you with a bite. He rolls a 6 plus
1: 7, which is 13. Which armor class? 6. No, it's 18 right now because I have my shield up.
3: Okay. Um, And then he comes at you with two claw attacks. Same plus 7. 3 plus 7 is 10. Miss. 11 plus 7 is 18. Um, I'm going to roll this D4. For this campaign, if it's odd, Ty goes to Defender. If it's even, Ty goes to Attacker.
1: Ty goes to Defender. Alright, so he misses. Alright, so I realize this dude threw three attacks at me. I'm going to use a Disengage action. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to um, do 25 feet towards the stairs. Okay. I'm going to try to go back up.
3: All right. so you are here. I'm going to move you... Tw-
1: One, two, three...
3: 4 5 Okay, so you get to the base of the stairs. Yes. So the troll chases you with a speed of 30. So 1 2 So 5 10 15 20 25 Yeah, you he's get able to, me. to attack.
1: Yeah, yeah he's gonna be able to get me.
3: So, all right, he attacks. His turn. He heals another 10 hit points. Bringing him back down to 0. And he attacks. That's a hit. That's a hit. His bite is a so he does six damage to you. Rolled a two plus four. Next attack is a hit. Mm -hmm. For his claw, rolled six on a two d six, bring up to ten to sixteen damage. His next one misses. Mm -hmm. So as you start running away. You get pretty close to the stairs and you feel the searing pain as the troll brings both of its claws into your back. Um, or actually, he starts biting you on the shoulder and brings one of his claws right into your ribs. So as so as he hits your back, you see the door you came down from swing open. <laughs> and the orc barbarian, Garl, sees you and jumps mid... So, doesn't even stop his running, just Bulges through the door. The door almost comes off of its hinges. Which is surprising since it was... Even though it's old, dwar- it was Dwarven made. And he leaps through the air towards the troll that's right on your back. Um, he comes in. we we'll do an athletics. So he's making an athletics check. Make a... So he rolled a 17, troll rolled a 16 on athletic. Um, I'm going to have you roll a dexterity check. So if it's lower than 12, I'm going to say you get tackled as well. Nope, 19. Okay. You're able to kind of dip out of the way as the barbarian flies through the air, the orc barbarian, and tackles the troll to the ground, restraining him. Alright. I'm going to give him an initiative. Rolled a three. Give him an initiative of four. All right, your turn.
1: All right, so at this point, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my second wind. So that allows me to get one D10 plus four hit points back. Go for it. Oh, one plus four. Yep. Five. You get five hit points back.
3: So you are down to 11 damage. Okay.
1: And then... And that is an action. So, um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to get on the other side. Is are they engaged right now? They're engaged. Okay, he's, so, he's restrained. So I'm gonna try to get to like over here, like on the other side of the troll.
3: You want? So they they're like, so at the moment they're both on their side, and yeah. the orc has got his back and he's kind of bear hugged him. Yeah. Um, Though you do see the pick, um, kind of like the handles wedged between them, but the but the pick part of the pick is sticking up between them. Okay. So you want to get around behind them. Yep. Okay. So you've taken your action and you've moved. Yep. All right. So it is. Our turn. He continues to restrain him. So this is. Garl rolls a three. Troll rolls a 14, so the f- troll breaks free. Mm-hmm. Now it's the troll's turn. I'm going to say one... So, odd, he attacks you, even he attacks the troll. Even, or er, not you, the troll. Even he attacks Garl. He yeah. rolled a 2, so he attacks him.
1: Garl, let's get fucked up. Yeah, yeah for real. hope so. I was getting messed up, man. Three attacks? Like, I only got one. He's healing on your ass All right,
3: so he attacks with his first one plus seven he hits He does 1d6 plus four he rolled a one doing five damage and uh, Since Garl is raging he only takes half so we'll round up to three Next attack 7 plus 7 is 14 his armor class is 15 he misses next attack is 16 and he hits 2d6 plus 4 and he rolled he rolled a 9 so it'd be 13 half of that rounded up would be 7 so he's up to 10 damage on him all right your turn jordan the troll has broken free and he's starting to he's starting to dig into this so uh, i'm gonna i want to
1: i want to grab the pickaxe the magical pickaxe see if i can yank it out of him
3: okay Make a sleight of hand check. He's still on the ground. He's laying there, and he's not engaged with you. This might be kind of a homebrew, but I'll give you an advantage on the slide of hand. Okay. All right, go ahead and roll your sleight of hand checks. You have an advantage. 18 and 16.
1: That is an actual. That's a net choice. That's a net 19.
3: Net 19.
1: So, yeah, as they're kind of like so as
3: he gets up and turns around to fight the to start clawing into the into the orc barbarian he turns his back to you giving you a prime opportunity to snatch it right off him it kind of comes off with a little bit of a with a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a jolt like it kind of pops off him from whatever was sticking it to his back Mm -hmm. but you immediately feel that this was dwarven made when it comes into your hand The way the handle is made And as the As the pickaxe becomes Comes close to you You can feel a certain amount of heat Radiating from From the pick of it Not enough to burn you But you definitely feel some sort of heat Coming from it
1: Okay and after that once I grab the pickaxe I want to run to, run back up the stairs Okay Yep.
3: Alright so you grab the pickaxe Um they're on him
1: they're engaged so
3: they are engaged yeah so alright you run out of the stairs yeah
1: okay so you flee the basement
3: and uh you continue to hear the 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 battle going on behind you
1: where do you go I wanna go back to uh go out the door towards where the miners are at okay
0: Our hero took his newly procured magical pickaxe and marched back to where the miners and rescuers had been digging.
3: You go, stand back. I'm gonna come in and I'm pick com- at it with my new pick.
1: I'm coming in hot, boys. It's magic, baby.
3: And yeah. uh, you come in and he... pick. It doesn't really do anything. No magic or anything happens. And the other guys look at you they're like, you stupid motherfucker. The magic doesn't work, man. Do you think we'd be using these normal ass picks if magic would work? I'd come down here, I'd start levitating these rocks and moving them out of the way, shattering them
1: with my hands. Come on, man, get back. All right, so I go back up, and then I'm just like, oh, God, okay.
0: After being gently reminded that magic doesn't work in this area, he resumed his exploration of the castle, going upstairs and attempting a scheme where he threw a javelin attached to a rope to reach a high area.
1: So I grab a javelin and I huck it with a rope at the other end tied. Um, so I tie okay. one end of the rope to like a tough pillar or something. This it's a 50 foot long rope and I try to huck it 30 feet to stick it in the wall and see if it's gonna strong enough to so I can pull. Just try it out. and stick
3: it into the stone.
1: <sighs> yeah, if there's anything, I don't know. I'm just gonna try. If not, I'm just gonna pull it back up and put it back on.
3: All right, I'm gonna say it's gonna be pretty difficult to be able to lodge a javelin into see if there's stone. a crevice or something so i can find so that's if you can so i'm going to say it's going to be kind of hard so i'm going to say you need 19 and above after your bonuses to get it into anywhere that could actually hold okay. anywhere
1: so i'm going to roll it right now so i tie it all together with the rope and everything i roll a nat crit. 20 Whoa.
3: Crit, 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 crit. insert sound drops here you kind of give it a like, quick little kiss blow on it like you're about to shoot craps and you huck this thing, and there's a very minor crack going up, probably about so it'd be probably about 50 feet up, up on the top, and it lodges itself right in there. Almost, you're surprised too, it, like half of the javelin goes in.
0: But all Snugs found in this area was an old, expired health potion and a visit from a competing foe.
3: As you as you turn around after you take that kind of surveying the scene, you kind of jump at the sight of a drow. You immediately recognize as Elonis Musk, who is uh, the uh, one you had seen who was talking shit to the orc beforehand. And he's sitting up there, leaning. He's he's got his hand leaned on your spear, kind of holding at it, uh, holding onto it, and looking at it. He's like, "That's quite a throw, dwarf." Lucky throw, if you ask me. Find anything good up here?
1: Just nasty old health potion.
3: Yeah, it was a smart move, leaving the orc to die. Oh, and he's got no—he's got no foresight. Sees the troll, jumps on it. What kind of fucking idiot does that. Yeah. So you remember I said, stay out of my way. I get it if you want to come down here and make an attempt to bring Valor to your family, or whatever the f- fuck you dwarves want, but that boy is mine. Okay. And all of a sudden he vanishes.
1: Ay, ay, ay. Alright.
3: Elon Musk cares about no one but Elonus Musk.
1: I keep thinking to myself, and I was like, mm, maybe there is a submersible out there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Is- fuck your submersible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Snugs had a bit of a mishap while climbing back down to ground level.
3: Okay, I was just rolling to see if anything bad happened to your warhammer or shield, but I rolled a sixteen, so they're fine.
1: All right, so I shimmy across the room. Making an athletics check. Oh no! That is plus a seven, so that four is four plus
3: seven. Eleven. Um, you fall. What? You slip and you fall, man. So you get about halfway down it before you... It wasn't like a terrible critical where you just slipped and didn't even grab on. So a 10-foot fall is usually about 1d6 damage. I'm going to say it's 2d6 damage. (laughs) Rolled an 11. So you're up to 19 damage.
1: All right, I'm going to pop one of my 1d8 health potions. Go for it. Six?
3: Yep. So you are back down to 13 damage on you. And
1: screw it, I'm gonna take the other one too.
3: One. So you're down to 12
1: damage on you. And no more health potions. Gone. I'm like, fresh out of ideas.
0: Our dejected hero wandered the stronghold aimlessly, until the group of rescuers finally broke into the main passageway.
3: There's four gnome miners And three dwarven miners Who are all just working at the same time On this one large stone And eventually they crack it right down the middle Pull the pieces apart um, uh, Showing Showing the uh, entrance beneath it And as that happens They get pushed out of the way Of the adventurers um, Trying to run down it
1: Yeah so I roll I roll that way then I'm like Here, okay then... screw it so there's a, one of the gnome miners. So not all the gnome miners go down.
3: Some of them stay up. One of them goes down with just his pickaxe in hand. He goes, he goes, uh, what happened to the the orc? He said he was going to follow you up to the castle. Oh, he got, there was a troll over there. So like, there's fucking trolls down here? Yeah, man. All right, so you roll down, and um, you, do, you go down a quick series of corridors. New map here. There's the staircase coming in and you eventually find yourself down here. On this map, these large, you know, these things look huge boulders that have come down and they're so big and massive. They're actually blocking you from going over them. So these are obscured terrain
1: and nobody has any idea where the miners were.
3: No, they know they're down here and they know they it was When third it comes year. to some
1: of these rubble things, would we need to like pick those, like you don't know. Alright. Um where does everybody seem to be rolling to? Like what's the biggest area? Like do people be rolling straight or they is it just free for um no
3: like two or three people came over to this uh, far end on the lake side. There's a couple enclaves in here. Um couple people went up this narrow passage up to the top.
1: So I immediately roll out this way, and what I do is before an adventure, like if I can grab an adventure, I'm like, "Yo, come with me. I'll split it with you." So there's one other guy rolling that way. Make a well. Pers- I'll say like, just are you give gonna him- try and
3: persuade him, or I- are you intimidating this guy?
1: I want to persuade him. I'm like, "Yo, just actually, no. I'll just take two sad fires from the horde." All right.
3: So you... Uh,
1: I rolled a one. It doesn't matter. Jordan rolled a one.
3: Critical fail on a persuasion check. So you open up your mouth and be like, hey, will you help me? And um, uh, what you say is, uh, hey, will you fuck me really hard? Oh, damn it! <laughs> and um, this particular dwarf is very angry and he takes a swing at you. He doesn't swing at you with his weapon though. He just goes to punch you in the face. He misses. He goes. Shut your mouth! What? Don't talk to me! And he continues to run that, that direction.
1: Oh my God. He's like,
3: well, one more insolent word out of you, and you'll catch my axe in your head. Okay, tough guy. All right. He continues to run on. I Are just you? follow. I just follow him about fifty feet back. Okay. Moving this way. You see him, he runs up, and you see him, he runs up and he takes a right, and then maybe about ten seconds, and then you see him dart and go the other way.
1: I roll in, um, I roll in about here. I want to roll a perception check. See what? Going down. Where'd my, keep taking my T20. Ooh, that's nice. That's a 19, net 19. You don't notice anything going on here. You do see two
3: statues of, like, these... Kind of gruesome-looking things sitting there. It looks pretty beautifully carved, but you do hear a very loud roar come from back behind you, back into the main chamber, and you hear, um, dwar- you hear several people screaming, and so you hear the sound of earth kind of rumbling, <laughs> and a couple small, a couple <laughs> small rocks fall down from the ceiling. <laughs> They're getting but fucked, you, but you don't know what it is.
1: All right, so I go to the I go to like the rubble rubble thing right here. I take my little pickaxe that I got my magical one and I go tink 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 start picking at it.
3: All right, uh, roll a strength check.
1: Uh, five plus five, tests a ten. So you're not really doing
3: a whole lot, but you do notice now. It seems like the magical properties properties of this is happening. Every time you hit it, you see these embers flying off of the pick. It seems to have some sort of fire connection with it. So you're starting to um, you're starting to make some headway on this, but very slowly. I'm going to tell you for a point of reference, you now have uh, 30 minutes until these wherever these people are are dead. Oh shit! The trapped Thai soccer players. Okay. Um, you mean the no miners. The no miners.
1: Are they miners or minors?
3: <laughs> I made that same joke when we were talking about this.
1: Can I roll a perception check to see if there's something else going on? Yeah. That's a 19.
3: 19. You hear a very slight snicker behind you.
1: I'm like, it was like, oh, is that Mr. Dick the Drow? That's Elon-ness <laughs> Musk to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's, what's happening over with the the, the big uh, noise that was growled that was coming out there? Did a bunch of miners just get fucked up?
3: He goes, um, there's a bole or a bullet, however you pronounce it. The drow word is much different. Um, it seems to have come up um, on the south side, though this is an interesting position. I'll tell you what. I'll get these rocks out of here, and I'll split the... I'll split the, uh, the reward with you 50-50. Me and you take out the sun. But I need you to get something for me. Okay, what's this? In that lake, there's something at the bottom I need. What is it? He goes, it's a shield. Ancient shield kept from the king who used to rule this stronghold. I need it. Its physical value isn't nearly as much as the reward, but the honor it brings to my mother to bring this relic back home would put me in some of the highest graces though as i've never had to and i'd usually send savages like yourself in to do it for me i don't go into water i fear i don't know how to swim
1: nor do i man you don't know how to swim no man they don't have the dwarf kiddie pools it doesn't exist man swim lessons well, it would just be like a athletics check, right? So what's an athletics check? He's asking the drown. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think we broke the fourth wall <laughs> <laughs>
3: This brain fucking explodes sending <laughs> sending spinal fluid all over the cave wall.
1: Alright. Well, uh, <laughs> I can try it, but uh maybe. The only thing is uh like, uh, what what made you roll out here though? Do you have an idea where these kids might be then, or not not just the kid, but the? He you
3: goes. Know, this goes. You know, this makes the the most. Sun. This makes the most sense. The underground stream from that lake runs. Um, runs. I want to southeast wanna, towards this I direction. I want to an
1: insight check on this homie. Okay. Okay, that's a four plus. A, that's a that's a five.
3: Yeah, he's telling so many so many truths right now. You believe him? Okay. M- so my dude, my
1: dude is like, all right, um, cool. Then I just like walk out and start heading towards the thing. Mm-hmm. I take my pickaxe with me though.
3: As you're walking out, you do notice that those statues aren't there anymore.
1: The what hideous the- carved what statues. What the fuck? What the fuck? So I start looking around. And I'm like. I turn around before I walk out and I was like, Hey Hey uh Alanis Dickius, um <laughs> where did these statues go? There were statues here when I walk when I came here first. What statues?
3: Go get my shield.
1: Yeah, while you're while I'm getting your shield, go help these fuckers. Yes,
3: yeah, so I'll start working on it. And you yes. see him kinda of flipping through a book. And he's kinda of...
1: And I look back and I was like, I thought you were an almighty draw. you need a fucking book. And else... Then I start I scoff <laughs> as I walk away. Okay.
0: Snugs set out to retrieve Alonis Musk's shield from the lake. On his way, he demolished a gargoyle with his magical pickaxe. Wounded and feeling the heat from the ticking clock, Snugs takes a hard look at his chances.
1: So, I'm probably gonna die in this lake because I only have nine hit points left. So, I'm done. Do you know what? And
0: hey, you know
2: what? Get that shit attitude out of here. Man. Believe in Snugs.
1: I believe in Snugs, but I just don't believe in the DMs going to be nice to me. Oh, here we go. But that's not the way we play out here, so. You don't have to
3: save anybody. You don't have to try and get the Sapphire Horde that'll set up your family for
1: generations. Do you whatever you want. Hey, yeah, I'm doing what this dude was, uh... He's all about the cash. He was going to go after some Mind Flayers, but looking back now, you probably got flayed by the Mind Flayers, but...
3: Ten plus your Dexterity Modifier.
1: All right, so I got 11 AC right now. Okay. All right, so I go in, and, you know, I'm in my skivvies, and uh, I do grab my pickaxe and stick it on the back because I'm like, this thing is dope. That's all I need, and I jump in.
3: Okay. You can't really see it from the surface, but as soon as you get under, you see this gold glow <laughs> coming from the bottom, maybe about 15 feet down. Mm-hmm. All right, make a athletics check.
1: Thirteen plus seven. Nice. Four, so you're you're actually 20. swimming
3: You're actually swimming pretty well for a dwarf. Your beard is just kind of like it's got the perfect amount of dragon. I don't I don't have a beard. What the fuck is your problem?
1: Dude, beards get you killed in the underdark. It's like capes. Capes get superheroes killed. So you're basically a slightly bigger halfling then,
3: is what you're telling me.
1: I keep a little stubble. No beard. Oh mm. my god. Keep a little stubble. They get you killed, man. Oh, we out here in the God. Underdark, we're not a surface dwarf. Fucking weak-ass dwarfs at the top.
3: You're not a dwarf. <laughs> yes, I <period>. am. <laughs> Alright. I am I am three nine, three fifty.
1: Three nine, three
3: fifty. <laughs> you fat <fed> fuck. It's
1: <laughs> all muscle. It's like carpet. You do
3: have 20 strength, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you start swimming down and you immediately see this see this gold glow coming down from this a shield and you see it as a dwarf kind of having a inbred uh, appreciation for craftsmanship you would take your breath away if you weren't holding it at the moment. Did you say
2: inbred
3: yes okay. <laughs> Look at him. This dwarf with no beard, there's got to be something wrong with him.
1: I'm a dwarf that's smart. I've survived out here as like a like an outlander in the Underdark or
3: uh-huh. so Like posing as a fat fucking human who's tiny. Halfling. You and that muttering guy up there are best friends.
1: <laughs> yeah, I gave him a snack, man. He just got kicked in the ribs. I would like a Snickers bar. That was it. actually just a spell...
3: Of you in the future.
1: You are looking 20
3: years in the future to your own I <laughs> so, so
1: my character went on Jenny Craig in the future?
3: All right, so you go down and uh, you grab the shield, and it is miraculous. Your max, You still have the same amount of damage on you, but your max hit points goes up by 10 it's while you're holding the shield. Nice. So that goes up to...
1: 47.
0: 47. Snugs, nearly killed by mermen while acquiring the shield, flees to the surface of the lake. There, he encounters a bullet that had been massacring rescuers and flees from it as well. Um, do you continue to run away? Or? Yeah,
1: I continue to run away. Uh, to go talk to Drow, Drowdy.
3: So as you're running away, you see the bullet disengage, it immediately locks onto you and starts bolting at you. As it bolts past the people he's already engaged in, they get they both hit it. But it's still a lot. it's still up. And so it is running towards you. What is your speed?
1: Twenty-five.
3: So you start bolting for this area right here. It is bearing down on you. Yeah. And you guys and he's catching up to you. He's almost got double the speed you have. And just making a uh, make an acrobatics check.
1: Acrobatics? Yo, I thought i would make an athletics check to see if I uh, ath- athletics. That can just be a normal jump. Alright, so that is. That's a nine, and that is plus seven, so... Sixteen. Sixteen. So you're able
3: to die. So this cave entrance that you originally came through is pretty narrow, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. able to jump through it without hitting any of the sides. You can walk through it, but you're just running, and you can feel him right on the back of your neck. And as he comes down to swipe at you, you go through there, and he runs head first into it and, uh, and knocks himself unconscious.
1: Oh! Oh, oh, oh.
0: Snugs made his way back into the cave where he'd left Alanus Musk and found what he had been seeking. You, you walk in,
3: and you, the rubble is gone. You see 12 gnomes, one very frail and scared-looking human, mm-hmm. which is strange because humans don't come down here much, but his eyes seem to be, like, glazed over, um... He's blind. He looks like he's blind. You see Alonis Musk digging into his pocket. And he's kind of rifling around looking for something. Do you come in, talk to him? Do you stay yeah, there? Yes, so I look in. I'm
1: like, Alanis, where's the, where's the dude that we we're looking for?
3: He kind of reaches over to the right. He's like, Jevin, right here. Man to make me my fortune. Gotta get you home soon before uh, this water rises up to take all of us. And as he reaches into his pocket... He drops something onto the ground, and it just looks like a ball, like a, and it breaks, and out of it, this large thing arises. It's kind of like a big, it's like a big sphere, and it seems to have a couple windows on it, and, and he opens up a hatch, and he goes, Gnomes, you get in! And he starts loading in all the gnomes.
1: I'm like, yo, is that how, is that how you dipping?
3: And he turns around at you, he's like, ha, fool keep the shield as the second place trophy. And, um, roll first perception.
1: Okay. That's a 10. Net 10.
3: Now roll initiative.
1: That's a Damn. 21.
3: So he's lifting his hand towards you. All right, so and you hear something behind you as well. He's lifting his hand towards you. There's something loud behind you. Some sort of mixture of footsteps and yells or something. Okay. And you get to go first.
1: Okay, so what I try to do is I try to uh, dive between him and submersible so that he would have to shoot through the submersible to hit me. I'm
3: gonna draw this out just real quick. Something's happening behind you. He's raising his hand like this. It's your turn.
1: Alright, so what I do is I while he's raising his hand into the submersible I use dash action to try to dive in. Like, the door is open, all the people's getting in. I want to go, like, since he has his hand up and he doesn't, like, has, like, a weapon or anything, I want to see if I can just,
3: like, whoop, like, jump in. I'm like, yo. I feel like if you came that close to him, you might elicit an opportunity attack from him. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, you can do it then. So you're going to run right past him and just, like, jump headfirst into the open doors of the submarine. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Screw it. I'm rolling past him. I just want to get the submarine. I just want a GTFO. So I, so he told me, this is your 2nd place prize. I'm going to go in this way. I hear shit coming behind me. So I'm just saying, fuck it. There's the submersible. I'm thinking he's going to shoot the shit behind me, like the, that big troll thing woke up and is trying to barrel its way through. That's in my character's mind. Don't know if that's real or not. That's just what I think that the character will be doing.
3: Okay. Makes sense. I got you. All right, so you roll. So you sprint right, so he's like putting up his hand, and you just run right by him, shoulders kind of touch as you run through and jump in the submersible. Yeah. So submersible is a, not a very big opening. I'm going to make you, if you actually want to jump through it, you can probably just run into it.
1: Dad, that, that, I just want to go okay. in it. Yeah, yeah I just want to get in
3: it. I want to see you like try and pull some dwarf no, no, parkour no. shit.
1: Dude, fuck no. I'm going to hit the head on the wall. I'm just going to run it like, ah!
3: All right, so he gets to make a normal opportunity attack on you.
1: 17, drama class? 18, because I have the shield. Okay, he misses. All right, so once I jump in, uh, is, there, is there like a door I could shut? That's a little bit too complicated of a thing, because okay. you had to dash. You used your action. To be no, because able... it's like, oh, yeah, it's his turn. I'm Yeah, yeah, that's
3: cool. Okay, so... So you you are able to look behind you kind of as you go in. So what happens is you see Glar, the the orc barbarian, charging super fast. Looks like he's been mangled to pieces, about like at life's end. But he's got that barbarian bloodlust rage, just keeping him from dying. <laughs> and as he jumps, as he jumps forward and takes the drow by the shoulders and slams him to the ground, the drow's spell goes off, and the drow wasn't expecting it to go off so close to himself, and a fireball engulfs both of them.
1: Oh, dope! I'm in, I'm, I'm in the bubble! Hopefully the bubble can survive! Hey. It's
3: a nice fireball. fireball is 86 on top of the wounds they already have. So this fireball explodes between them. Basically, you can think of it like jumping on a grenade. And it just blows up between the two of them. And pieces of both of them go flying all over the cavern. Up against the, up against the submersible, Elonus Musk's uh, head smashes in right where you're standing. Up against the window, it just slides down. And the, the, ex, the ex-slave of the drow, the, the orc barbarian finally gets his own version of revenge
1: i i shut the door and i was like uh, i shut the door and i'm like yo let's press this bitch let's get out of here
3: so you you go in make a um i like can intelligence check to see if i can figure it out investigation check, okay investigation or perception which is a uh, whichever's higher Two. no
1: perception so i got a seven
3: okay you don't know how to do this you're kind of like there's like a couple levers and you're kind of like uh, uh. Uh, And he kind of pushes you out of the way He's like get back And And he's able to figure it out And it starts like you hear some like vents go off And it like takes in water Below you guys and it starts to sink and then with that, the whole thing just starts rolling up and down like this.
1: I hit the windshield wipers to get the head off. Nice, but <laughs> it's like
3: um I forget what it's called where um the thing moves around you but you stay perfectly still. Gyros. I think it's
1: like a gyrosphere.
3: Yeah, it's like a gyrosphere. Like the outside like moves and catches current.
1: It's like those things that are in Jurassic World,
3: and it shoots you. You you're lucky you went on that initiative check because you would have died if he. No matter what, even if you pass your dexterity saving throw, you still would have taken 46 damage. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) that's
1: why I was like, "I'm running. I want to go through that door." Okay. So
3: you're able to get it, and um, so you guys, you pop out of this, you pop out about right down here through this little underground cave, Mm -hmm. and as you're kind of going through, you see a few corpses along the way, and you see a couple more of those marrow. Uh, evil merman things, mm-hmm. kind of swimming around you, and you pop out, and um, the son Jevin kind of takes, keeps it going down the river until it gets to a main uh, trailhead, and he sends all the miners out. He's, he he um, he sends the hermit out, uh, kind of swearing at him. It doesn't seem like he likes him much. He got them stuck in this mm-hmm. stupid fucking cavern, and you and the gnomes go back up. I'm gonna roll. You guys don't run into any trouble on your way back to Saffermire. You get there, trumpets are blaring, everyone's shouting. They bring you in, the king comes in and he grabs him with a big hug and he slaps you on the back and he's like he's like, oh the champion, just to his rewards, follow me. He takes you into the back and then he opens up this big gold door. And you walk into this room, and you see these piles of fist-sized, basketball-sized sapphires. Then you hear a creak behind you, and you look back, and the door is closed, sealing you in. Congratulations, champion. You will be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams for as long as you live. However long that is. You won. You won.
0: There you have it. Through a late commitment to fleeing and a series of timely last second rolls, Jordan pulled off a surprising rescue and escape. Hail the victorious pawn.
1: I was fully ready to kill you right there. I knew that I was gonna die. I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna do what I can. I'm gonna that dip. Good. And if he would have hit on an opportunity attack. Do you want me to
3: tell you the other options there were? Yeah, let's do it. So from the basement to the ceiling that guy came from here. okay. He was wandering in this area, and he was just like an adventurer and was looking in this area. And he went down to the basement. He found a trap door in the basement. So was the the trap
1: trap door where the troll came out of in the hay? No,
3: it was over where the barrels were. Oh. So you rolled a perception, but you didn't get it. There was also, if you explored this area down here, Mm -hmm. there was a uh, bloated, drowned body stuck in the weeds here of an adventurer. And he had kind of a note describing, like... you swim upstream through here just like 15 feet cut left through this cave it'll pop you in basically into this waterfall and you can come up right up yep where the submersible but you would have been attacked by one or two of the mer people mer people so you chose the best direct path to get to it Mm -hmm. once you came in but there was also the water and the basement through the ceiling option yeah how do you think he did i think he did well i think he did well i um I think most of the time when you play the campaign the first time, you you play careful, but you also know that you you're probably not. The goal isn't to kill you the first time you play. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of want to set up the story, and you know the DM's like, you know, maybe give it like a couple sessions, and then I'll let you die if it goes that way. But I want to at least get the story going. Yeah, yeah. But this time, I think he realized that he could die at any moment, so he. Mm -hmm. As
1: I had no idea that it was going to cave in and we were going to go down and do the dirty work down there. You're always
3: trying to go down and do dirty work on miners, aren't you? Get that shit out of here. (laughs) Don't cut it. Leave it in. The world needs to know.
0: Headline to Table is created by me, Christopher Patton, and Dungeon Master Wes Lytle. All the music you heard in this episode is by Kevin McLeod, and you can hear more of his awesome stuff at Incompetech.com.